Chapter 43 I grabbed the jutting corner of the box and tugged. It didn't give. There was a thudding crunch as Salvador jumped down beside me. He didn't say anything. He just scooped away the dirt around the box with his fingers while I wiggled and pulled at the box. Sometimes I stopped pulling and worked with him, scraping the dirt away. But he never took hold of the box himself, never yanked on it or tried to jerk it free, even though there was a distant chance he was stronger than me. He never tried to pull it out himself. I think he knew that moment was for me. We got more and more of the corner showing and then another corner and we sped up. Salvador digging with both hands like a dog and me leaning back, putting my legs into it, straining to bust that box loose. I was getting shaky like when you're so super starving you can hardly stand it and then you can see the plate coming hot and salty and then it broke free. It tilted and slid out into my hands and I was holding it. I was holding that box and it was just like I remember, dirty and scratched up and dented. But other than that, it was just like I remembered and it was in my hands. It was warm. I don't even know why, but it was warm. I held that box in my hands and I stopped breathing and I took every breath in the world. My mom, my sisters, my mom, my sisters. I held that box and I held them. I held that box in every the end and every once upon a time that was ever rang out at the same time all tangled up together. With a slow, careful hand, I wiped the dust off the top of the box. It was dinged up and dirt encrusted and rusty. It was perfect. I realized I was kneeling. I had no memory of dropping to my knees, but there I was on my knees in the dirt. I rose to my feet. I tried to breathe, tried to clear my eyes. I looked over at Salvador, who was looking back at me, his eyes deep in solemn pools. I nodded to him once. He nodded back once. He was still breathing hard from the chase, the digging, the finding. So was I, I think. I looked up out of the ditch past the waiting machines and watching workers. There was one tree left in the park, one way over at the edge that hadn't been ripped out. Maybe it wasn't in the way and would be spared. Or maybe they just hadn't gotten to it yet. But it was still there for the moment, still dropping shade like they all had on all those days all that time ago and on one day in particular. I stumbled out of the ditch, holding that box with two hands and one heart. I rose up out of that earth that out of that earth that was raw and torn up like a freshly dug grave. Salvador's footsteps scratched along behind me. There were a few guys standing with crossed arms. I guess they'd been watching the whole thing. They stepped to the side and let me pass. I made my way toward the tree that st- stood alone, all of its family ripped away. Salvador's footsteps stopped at the line of workers and he let me go on by myself. I heard one of the guys grumble. What is it? And I heard Salvador answer low. It's a memory box. She buried it there with her mom. And then I heard someone say, well, where's her mom? And Salvador almost whispered his answer, but I still heard it. She's dead. And then there was a big silence, a heavy silence, an understanding kind of silence, and not one of those folks said a word, and not one of those folks complained about the interruption, and not one of those folks told me to hurry the heck up so they could get back to work. Hey, the voice cut through the moment. It was the cop, of course. Hey, where are you going? His voice got louder as he spoke, so I knew he was jogging up behind me. Leave her alone, man, I heard one of the guys grumble. Leave her alone? Do you have any idea what she... Oh, give it a rest, dude. You can wait one minute. I mean, she ain't going nowhere, right? The cop, though, would not give it a rest, and he wasn't going to give me one minute either. Stop, he said, and I could hear his angry footsteps stomping up behind me. Can you hear me? Stop. I could, and I didn't. I was going to the shade of that tree, that last tree standing, and I was going to sit down in whatever shade she offered, and I was going to open up that box, and I was going to spend a little time with my mom and my sisters right here in our park. But the cop wasn't giving up easy. He huffed up beside me. 
Hey, he said gruffly, you need to stop. I kept my eyes straight ahead and my feet moving. I didn't trust my throat to speak. The memories were all around me, the ghosts waiting under the tree. I didn't want to lose them ever again. Hey, he said, and he grabbed my arm. You need to stop now. His fingers locked onto my arm hard, and he stopped me hard and spun me around hard. He was all hardness, that cop. I didn't have it in me to deal with all his hardness because there was nothing hard left in me. I was soft and broken and falling apart right down to my middle, but I was ready to fight that cop to the end to do what I needed to do, what I was aching to do, what I was almost dying to do. I was ready to fight his hardness because, gosh darn it, the world is hard enough as it is without hard people making it even harder. I was ready to fight. Turns out I wasn't the only one. I'd only forgotten it, gotten as far as opening my mouth when there was a coming at us fast drumming in the ground. A little thunder rolling our way for just a second before it got to us. Well, before she got there. She hid him from the side and she brought a cloud of dust with her. Gladys came flying from our periphery, her head lo lowered and her horns ready, and she gave that cop a headbutting he ain't never gonna forget. Yeah, she rammed him, hard. That hard cop met the hard end of a hard goat, and the goat won. There was a grunt and a coughing whoosh of breath when she hit him. He went straight down to the ground and skidded a bit on his butt, his feet kicking up in the air. When he came to rest in a little dirty cloud, Gladys stood over him, head lowered, pawing the ground with a hoof and clearly ready for round two. The cop looked up at her and I'd say the vast majority of the hardness had left him. His eyes were wide as quarters, his face pale, his mouth hanging open. I'm sorry, officer, I said quiet. She's a good goat and a goat is a loyal animal. The cop just stared at me. I think he was still fairly rattled and I can't say that I blame him. I'm going to go over to that tree over there and I'm going to go through this box just for a few minutes and then I'll go with you. You don't need your gun. You don't need your handcuffs. I looked at Gladys who still stood trembling with ready indigna indignation. You probably do need to avoid eye contact and sudden movements though. Gladys snorted. The cop twitched and flinched. Just a few minutes, I repeated right into his eyes. Okay? The cop swallowed, eyes still wide. He nodded. Thank you, I said. The box felt heavy in my hands and it felt weightless. I turned and walked over to the tree and knelt down in the grass. I set the box on the ground in front of me. There was a little metal clasp that clicked shut and held the box closed. Slowly, I lifted it up. It was rusty and it was stubborn, but after a second, it popped up and opened. I took a breath, one deep breath of air down into the very bottoms of my lungs. I felt them. I felt them all around me, looking over my shoulders, putting their arms around me. They were there, and I opened the box.